To all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Advent is almost over. Christmas very, very nearly here. As we've spoken of in this Advent season, it is interesting to consider waiting on adult Christmas, and by adult Christmas I mean the coming of Christ into our lives and into our world's politics, in the same breathless manner that children wait on Christmas to open their presents. All of their frustration, impatience, and despair mirrors ours, our frustration with the world around us, our impatience with ourselves and the way things are, and even our moments of darkness and despair, all of which prepare us, in a certain sense, for this coming Wednesday. The frustration showing just how much we care about what we're looking forward to, how much we're looking forward to it. The despair sharpening our desire, clarifying our needs and priorities. And so now, so close that we can almost taste the eggnog, I say we take this opportunity to jump the gun a little bit to unwrap our present, to finally see what's underneath the paper, what God has hidden but promised to reveal. I'm sure we won't be the only ones. I imagine that there's that Molly and I aren't the only people who are leaving town and had a family Christmas ahead of time, and Simon isn't the only one playing with a new toy today. So I think we can be forgiven if we just jump the gun a little bit. It's an oddly shaped gift God has given us this Christmas. It's a little bit big. I'm afraid it doesn't fit under the tree. It's one of those, okay, everybody, time to go outside and see what's on the porch sort of gifts. And although there may not be any actual literal wrapping paper on it, it is covered up nonetheless, this gift we're looking forward to, our adult Christmas present. It's hard for us to see what's under there. Joseph got a doozy of a Christmas present in our reading today, covered up with no wrapping paper at all, a baby, somebody else's baby in his partner's womb. Looks, frankly, overjoyed about it, doesn't he? I love Raphael. The version I read said, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, plans to dismiss her quietly. I was struck by that word, righteous, or in the translation we read earlier, law-abiding, keeping the law. Does Joseph, Joseph is stuck with a decision here, right? Um, he really appears to only have two options. Either he kicks Mary out of the house publicly and saves his own reputation, putting all of the shame and scandal on her, or he does the kind thing, the unselfish thing, the, the law-abiding thing, and puts her away quietly, leaving a whiff of scandal to follow him the rest of his days. He's a righteous man, so he chooses to do the right thing, of course. But then God calls him beyond normal goodness. This right-acting, righteous, law-abiding thing, God says, no, 
That's all very well and good and nice of you and all, but I actually need you to stick with it. I need you to unwrap your Christmas present. Sometimes this spirit-filled way, this way that comes with angels and messages in, uh, in the Bible, this way that goes above and beyond what we call would consider good or right or law-abiding, actually offends our ideas of what is right and wrong. I mean, Joseph is going to do damage to his whole extended family by embracing this scandal. Uh, Jesus doesn't shy away from this at all. Take the parable of the farm workers, where the farm work, some come at the early at the beginning of the day, some come near the end of the day, and at the end, the owner of the field pays them all the same, pays them all a full day's wage. And people who came in the morning complain. They say, this isn't fair. This isn't right. It offends our ideas of right and wrong. But what does fair care about whether those latecomers have hungry bellies to feed back home? The good landowner knows that everyone needs a full day's wages, regardless of whether they only worked 20 minutes. And so in Jesus' parable, he outlines very clearly how our idea of what is good and right not only can be, but often is exceeded, superseded by doing something filled with the Spirit. This is a Christmas miracle, no doubt. Jesus being visited by an angel to adopt a child that's not his own. But isn't that a pretty everyday sort of miracle? Honestly, we all know many parents who have chosen to adopt children not related to them. At the time, it was relatively extraordinary. The Romans did love adoption, but they loved adopting a 21-year-old after he just won a battle. Romans were interested in getting strong, preferably somewhat related family members into noble houses where they could inherit and carry on the traditions and the family line. You didn't adopt babies. You adopted your battle-hardened nephew. So adoption was popular, but it had little, maybe even nothing to do with what we call adoption today. With the opening of hands, of hearts, opening up of a whole life to a stranger, to a child who's going to grow up and be you don't know who. This everyday miracle above and beyond standard levels of good behavior is why we call these adoptive parents heroes. We recognize those who go the extra mile, whose morality supersedes normal goodness. And we see it every day. Part of why this gospel story perhaps doesn't punch us as hard as it used to is because we see people doing above righteous things, super righteous things, actually quite often. If you seek it out, you can read about it in the news every day. Do you realize, my friends, that that is true because we are winning? 
because Christmas is coming, because Christ is entering this world in hands and hearts all over the place. Do you understand that this world, which some people decry as being soft, caring, a world in which adoption, for instance, isn't done out of convenience or for family advantage, but is done because of generosity and a desire to serve and love, a world in which acts of heroic kindness have become so common that all of us know people who have done them not just once, but sometimes daily, that this world in which we already live is the product of actions like Jesus on the cross, the hard-won fruits of a thousand small battles waged in churches, courtrooms, and home kitchens over the course of centuries. The changing of our human hearts. We've long ago, as a civilization, laid down the law. Said, this is the law and you need to obey it. And what we called a good person was one who was lawful. That is what the word righteous is throughout most of the Bible. But then we have this new challenge. This new kind of action. Action in the spirit. Action that somehow transcends even righteousness. There's doing the right thing. But now more and more we recognize that that often is not enough, or at least is not seizing enough of the opportunity to do the loving thing. It's hard to persuade folks to be decent. But now we are learning how to be delightful. How do you do that? How do you teach a species full of people whose lives are inevitably chaotic, filled with conflict? How do you teach them not only to just get along, not only to just follow the rules so that everybody can survive, not only to be decent, but to be delightful? Time. It turns out you do it with time. You do it with small acts of care that turn into grand dramas of love. You listen to the prophet Isaiah, who said in our passage we read this morning to King Ahaz, who is on the verge of panic, look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse evil and choose the good. For before that child knows how to refuse evil and choose good, the land before whose the, of the two kings in which you are in dread will be deserted. Stumbling over my tongue there, but the, the passage quotes this message of the angels. Do not be afraid. Two countries were coming against Judah besieging Jerusalem, ready to destroy the city. But listen, there's a pregnant woman. She's going to give birth. And this beautiful baby will be eating curds and honey and still won't know which way is up before those two kingdoms are wiped off the map and you don't have to worry about it. Don't be afraid. 
there is a future waiting for you. Emmanuel, God with us, will be your sign. And the curds and honey he eats will reflect the goodness of God's work. Decency is good, but delight is coming in time. That's our gift. That's what we get to unwrap this Christmas season. A world where heroism is every day. A world where people don't just get along, they live in joy with one another. And a heart in ourselves that makes it easier, if never actually easy, to go above and beyond. The early Christian movement shone with that extraordinary goodness, the light of Christ dwelling among them. And Paul and thousands of others became convinced that the most important way to improve the world, indeed the only way to save the world, to their view, was to spread the Christian story and win people over to belong to Christ. The only way to get beyond decency and to this spirit-filled way of being. They saw that above and beyond righteousness spilling out of all kinds of people's lives. The Holy Spirit resting on Gentiles, women, outcasts, the poor, and perhaps even most miraculously on privileged insiders, the wealthy, the powerful, people like Paul, people like Lydia of Thyatira, those who had everything already and yet chose to give it up, to give it away, to express their excessive love. In the centuries that have followed, we have learned a hard lesson that simply mouthing the name of Jesus and simply putting the story in front of everybody's eyes does not, in fact, over and abundant righteousness make. It has been a very bitter lesson for our community to learn that Christianity can fail, has failed, does fail as egregiously as it has. And yet... That spirit endures. Yet that testimony of what it means to go above and beyond remains as, as potent and attractive as ever. There are some now who argue that we have to divorce morality from our religion in order to save our morality because our religion has so much baggage, so much history. I am sympathetic to some of those people who argue in that direction. But I think that without the stories, we lose our wonder. Without the tinsel, without the glowing Christmas tree, you could give away just as many presents. You could enact just as many transactions. But I don't know that it would carry with it the same potency and poetry that sustains the spirit of over-excessive righteousness generation after generation. God is giving us this immeasurably valuable gift. A brand new future. Ourselves remade in Christ's image. 
lifted beyond righteousness, given options our forebears didn't even know existing, our lives worth living, our souls saved for the one who loves us. What's in our Christmas present? The whole future of humanity. God raising up an entire race of heroes, the human race. And with the Holy Spirit as our teacher and Christ as our king and example, we are starting to peel off the wrapping paper. I'm talking about not just the power to do what is right, but to move the bar of what people consider to be right. It used to be that doing what was right often involved a fair bit of violence in order to defend your own, often involved a fair bit of cruelty in order to survive. Obedience to the law, obedience to decency, remains for us a challenge but has no but is no longer what we consider to be the pinnacle of human behavior now most of us i hope frankly consider that being law abiding is the floor not the ceiling of our moral ambitions that's the baseline we expect from people and we hope that they then go above and beyond This is a gift. This is a change in our culture, in our way of thinking, in who we are as a species that has occurred over the course of centuries. To make it more and more popular going beyond, more and more common, until we live in a world where people adopt children, people speak frankly their welcome to marginalized groups, where people run into burning buildings, where people provide for all their workers, and it isn't even considered that unusual. A world where the miraculous is daily, that not unusual, is Christ's presence. And the less and less unusual this spirit-filled greatness becomes, the more we know that Christmas is here.